Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast helping wine students and wine enthusiasts alike to learn about all the wines of the world. I'm Matthew Gorn, and I'm a WCT certified educator, and in this podcast, I explore different wine regions and different grape varieties, and also interview producers from all around the world to explore the vast world of wine. In this episode, the focus is Austrian grape varieties. Some of them very famous and strongly associated with Austria, such as Gruner Veltliner and Blau Frankish. Others, international grape varieties, such as Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir, and the other Pinots, Gris and Blanc. And some of them a lot more obscure, but historically important, and in producing quite interesting wines in their own right. So to look at these uh, different grape varieties, first of all, a quick reminder of Austria's geography. All the wine regions are located in almost a horseshoe shape in the east side of the country, because the rest of the country is alpine and far too mountainous and cold for grape growing and the production of wine. The capital city of Vienna is in the centre, but to the east of the country, near the border with Hungary. With the river Danube flowing through Budapest into Austria through Vienna and then up into Austria and past the wine regions of Wachau and Kremstal, which are on both sides of the river Danube and the nearby Kamptal as well, where Grüner Veltliner and a little bit of excellent Riesling is grown. Between those small regions and Vienna is the largest region in Austria, which is Weinviertel, which means wine quarter, where a lot of the good quality but youthful, easy-drinking, everyday-drinking wines are made. It's worth noting that the quality of wine in Austria is consistently and generally quite high, so even the introductory wines are usually of pretty good quality, and that's because Austria is quite a wealthy country, and drinkers there can afford to spend a little bit more on wine, and therefore a little bit higher quality. But styles do vary from youthful to the much more age-worthy, concentrated and complex wines, which we'll look at as we go through the different grape varieties. Just south of Vienna is Bergenland and Neusiedlersee. So Neusiedlersee is the big lake, which is very shallow, just a metre in depth, but quite large. Here we're quite near the Hungarian border, and near the lake there are some great sweet wines made from white grape varieties, but also on the eastern side of the lake, which is quite protected, there is some very good red wine made, and this is really where the red wine production is concentrated. And then going further south towards the Slovenian and Italian borders, we have Steiermark, or Styria in English, which um, you don't find as much as these as the other regions I've already mentioned, more of an alpine influence, but again, some good qualities being made there. So in general, we're talking about a cool to moderate continental climate, which means a fairly long growing season for wines with high acidity, but some real power and structure to the best wines at least. Within Austria, there are 40 approved grape varieties, 26 of them are white and 14 of them are red. And there are 45,000 hectares in total, and about two thirds of them are white grape varieties or white wine production. So more of a concentration on white wine than red, there's some very good red wine made in Austria too. So let's begin with the white grape varieties of Austria, beginning with Gruner Veltliner, which is by far the most planted grape variety in Austria. And so there are nearly 15,000 hectares of plantings in Austria of Gruner Veltliner. So that's a third of all the plantings within the country and a half of all the whites. And this has become a very popular grape variety as the late 20th century developed because of its combination of acidity, 
and freshness, weighty, powerful wines for the very best quality, but very fresh, approachable wines for the more inexpensive styles, and also because it has high yields, which is certainly very useful in a higher production region, such as Weinviertel, for those um, more everyday drinking wines drunk on the ski slopes and in Vienna. However, plantings have decreased a little bit over the last 20 years, which is maybe more of a consolidation of Grüneventliner and also exploring other grape varieties as well to diversify the range of wines being made in Austria and making sure that Grüneventliner doesn't dominate perceptions, even if it does lead perceptions of Austrian wine. So Grüneventliner is a crossing of Traminer, which is also called uh, Sauvignon in France and is the parent of many high-quality grape varieties across northern and central Europe. For a long time it wasn't known what it was a crossing with, a natural crossing, uh, but it is a crossing with another obscure grape variety, now called St. Georgina, because some vines were found in the village of St. George. This grape variety was named after the village and it has been um, cultivated a little bit to see what it's capable of if it's produced um, Gruneveltliner in cross with Traminer, there could be some potential there, but certainly in very, very small amounts so far. And those vines that were initially found are now a protected national monument because they are so important to the reputation and character of Austrian white wine through Gruner Veltliner. And Gruner Veltliner is a mid-ripening grape, so it doesn't ripen too early, but this is as far north as Gruner Veltliner is going to ripen. So I don't really find it much further north than in Austria, though it is found in neighbouring countries, and this is one feature of Austrian grape varieties. Some of them were born in what is now Austria, others are from neighbouring countries, and there's a bit of an overlap between them, which is hardly surprising. So, But that central Europe of Austria, Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovenia, Slovakia as well, and also Croatia for slightly further to the south. A lot of these grape varieties, and of course Italy as well, in Friuli and Alto Adige, will find these grape varieties also grown and wines made from them. So for Grüneveltliner, the river Donau, or Danube, as I mentioned, flowing from Vienna through um, the regions of Wachau, Kremstal, and nearby Kamptal, it's very important because it brings heat along the valley, which helps the grapes get riper. The vines planted on the banks of the river Danube in Wachau and Kremstal, particularly in Wachau, are on terraces leading up from the river. So the river which is bringing heat into the region, that heat will just slowly rise onto the vines and really help ripening. And so these wines are much more powerful and full-bodied and intense than in other regions which, doesn't, which don't quite get the same heat. But at the same time, with that slightly higher elevation and those terrace slopes and difficult soils, the ripening is quite long, which leads, which maintains that high acidity and allows the um, aromatics in the grapes to slowly develop. Whereas in Weinwirtel, which isn't that far away from Wachau and Kremstal, the um, ripening is a bit quicker, which is why the wines are less intense and designed for earlier consumption. The character of Grüneveltliner in these different regions, in Weinwirtel it's crisp and fresh, uh, peachy and fruity, and very approachable. The best wines, which are designed for ageing, are completely dry, they're full-bodied and peppery. White pepper is the kind of key characteristic of the aromatics of Grüneveltliner and is a really firm texture and structure to the wines which make them age-worthy. And as they age, they do take on the characteristics of older Chardonnay, almost like a richer, fuller-bodied Chablis because there's no new oak used in Austria for Grüneveltliner, at least if there is, it's very in small amounts. 
This is about the fruit profile, the structure of the wine and the acidity and the ability to age. And so more like Chablis than the richer oak aged styles of white Burgundy and also there's no malolactic fermentation as well, apart from experimentation. So really about the purity of the uh, fruit in, expressed in the wine. And just to give some um, plantings of Grunewaldliner to show where it's planted, in Weinviertel there's nearly 7,000 hectares, so nearly half of all the plantings of Grunewaldliner, which gives an idea of the size of, the, of Weinviertel, why it's called wine quarter, and also that the yields there, which can reach up to 100 hectolitres per hectare, are high for these crisp, fresh, easy-drinking wines. And in Kremstal, there's just over 1,300 hectares, and in Wachau, just over 800 hectares. So these are two regions which really carry the reputation of Austrian wine, especially through Grüneveltlina, but the plantings are quite small compared to the uh, much higher production of fine Viertel. Also in Wachau and Kremstal, and also Kamptal, which is slightly further away from the uh, Danube, so it doesn't have the elevation. So Wachau has... Um, steeper slopes, whereas Kremstyle has undulating slopes, which does produce um, differences between vineyards, which have been mapped out by local producers, and so they do feel that Grüneveltliner expresses the uh, character of these different vineyards in a subtle but profound way. Kamptyle is a bit further away, a bit flatter, and also a bit warmer as well, because of the lower elevation, and so those wines are a little bit richer and fuller. Grüneveltliner is planted there as well, but so is Riesling, as it is in Wachau and Kremstal, about 2,000 hectares of plantings. So because the quality of Austrian Riesling is very high, there's an assumption that there's lots of Riesling planted in Austria because it works so well, but it's actually not that much, 2,000 hectares compared to over 14,000 with uh, Grüneveltliner. And the Riesling in these regions, high quality, for the same reasons that Grüneveltliner is high quality in these three um, premium regions, producing spicier wines, and which are less austere than, for example, Alsace. And I think it'd be quite difficult to distinguish Riesling from Austria from Alsace, um, but the climate is warmer. But of course, Alsace gets lots of sunshine as well. The wines are all going to be dry. Acid is going to be high, maybe a little bit higher in Alsace with a bit more generous fruitiness to the wines of uh, Wachau, Kremstal and Kamptal, so a bit more powerful, but certainly not like the ripeness that you'd find in an Australian Riesling. Another international grape variety planted in Austria is Chardonnay, there's around about 2,000 hectares planted here as well in Austria, also called Morion in, in Austria, but usually Chardonnay will be on the label. And this we made in international styles in this moderate continental climate. Acid is still high, so fresh wines, but with a power and weight to them as well. And these wines can be extremely good, but not not found that much outside of the country. Again, because the local markets really snap up a lot of the good stuff. Although Austrian wine is exported a lot more than it was even 15 years ago. There's also Sauvignon Blanc with about 1,700 hectares of plantings. Again, of very good quality. Not as pungent or aromatic as New Zealand, for example, but a bit more powerful and weighty than Loire Valley. And so if you've had um, Sauvignon Blanc from Fruli, for instance, on the Italian border, not dissimilar in that style and structure to the wines, maintaining the high acidity. There's also Pinot Blanc, which is called Weisser Begunder in Austria, and Pinot Gris, which is called Grauer Begunder. Now of these two, the Pinot Blanc or Weisser Begunder is, is the more important, with nearly 2,000 hectares, whereas Grauer Begunder only has 300 hectares. And the Pinot Blanc in Austria, again, like the other wines, has a bit more power and structure than you find from some of the simpler wines 
and Alsace is another comparison, as would Alto Adige. That combination of sunshine and warmth getting the grapes ripe, but a nice long growing season to ensure a balance between ripeness and acidity. And um, I've had Vice Burgunder, which is a little bit older, just four or five years, but they really hold the structure together over the course of that time. So there's a bit more weight and precision to these wines than may be found in m m many other examples of Pinot Blanc. There's another important grape variety, Welsh Riesling, which means foreigner Riesling. It has absolutely nothing to do with Riesling. Probably brought into Austria and not native to Austria, which is why it's called foreigner Riesling or Welsh Riesling. Uh, perhaps it comes from Croatia and it is found across um, Central Europe. Different names, but usually with the name Riesling attached, even though that is quite mis misleading. There's nearly 3,000 hectares planted, and it produces pretty good quality wines. And I think the association with Riesling because of its name doesn't help because it's confusing, but it also means that people are going to expect the wines to taste a bit like Riesling, which they really don't. The aromatics are much more neutral, and it's not as acidic. And it produces wines which can be um, light, easy drinking, early drinking, and quite fun. But it's also used for sweet wine in noisy de so in those humid conditions next to the lake, blended with Chardonnay. And Chardonnay here does produce a very good sweet wine. So in Germany, sweet wine is usually made from Riesling, and really late harvest Petritus-affected wines, such as Beerenauschleser or Trockenbeerenauschleser, can be extremely expensive, because it's very rare for that Petritus to develop on a consistent basis, and there's very little juice. But Austrian equivalents, especially Beerenauschleser, are actually very affordable, often made from Chardonnay and Welsh Riesling, maintaining the acidity, getting the botrytis, having richness to the wines, but also quite approachable, maybe not as con concentrated or complex as German examples because of the grape varieties, which are more neutral, but at the same time having that delicious botrytis-affected character. So Welsh Riesling, not a grape variety to be dismissed, but also one not to be confused by. Uh, then there's also, so, also Muscatella, where there's nearly 1,500 hectares of plantings, which has been planted in Austria since the 1400s. This is uh, Muscat Blanca Petigron, and there are other versions of Muscat grown in Austria as well, but this is the highest quality and the one most likely to be found on the label. And in Steiermark, or Styria, it produces dry, light, aromatic wines, but also sweet wines in Burgenland. That, those grapey aromatics can be quite useful in a sweet la sweet wine. So again, influenced by the humid conditions. One other grape variety worth mentioning, planted in very small quantities, is Rotgipfler. There's only 112 hectares planted, and that's in the Thurman region, which is southwest of um, Vienna, in the village of Gumpoldskirchen. And this is a very historic uh, style of wine in the village from the Rotgifler grape variety, which is blended with another obscure variety called Zierfandler. And the wines produced are powerful, spicy, and high in acid and high in alcohol. It's quite a contradictory wine to have that high acid and high alcohol. And of course that acid means that it balances the power and the alcohol, but also makes the wines quite age-worthy. With those small plantings, you don't see these wines very often. I've only tried a couple, and they're very unusual, very distinctive, and very good. Very hard to make a comparison between them and any other wines because of that combination of acid, alcohol, power, and ageability as well. So quite distinctive and unusual. Well worth trying if you can find one. Let's move on to the black grape varieties. There's about 13,000 hectares of plantings of the black grape varieties, which are concentrated on Blaufrankisch, Sankt Florent, and Zweigelt. 
And Zweigelt is a crossing created by a doctor called Zweigelt of Blaufränkisch and St. Lorenz. So he put the two best black grape varieties of Austria, joined them together to create Zweigelt. But before we talk about Zweigelt, let's look at those two really important grape varieties in terms of qu uh, quality, if not quantity. So Blaufränkisch, there's just over two and a half thousand hectares. Its name, Frankish, comes from the belief that the grape variety was superior to other grapes grown in Austria, which were usually labelled under the Hoynish category. And Frankish comes from Franconia, or Franken, in modern-day Germany, and the areas around that, which were considered to produce superior wines to the ones um, traditionally made in Austria. So anything that made really good quality wine had that Frankish suffix added to it. And it's first mentioned in 1862, just to give some international context. In Germany, it's called Lemberger, which is what it's also sometimes called in, in Washington state in the US. And in neighboring Hungary, it's called Kek Frankos, where it's first mentioned in the 1890s. Those mentions are relatively modern, but it's really established itself as one of the, pre one of the two premium uh, black grapes for Austrian red wine. And it's made in lots of different styles according to winemaking and also where it comes from. So its heartland is Bergenland, particularly Mittelbergenland, with over a thousand hectares, so nearly half of the plantings. And this area is sheltered by hills to the west, the south and the north, but warm dry winds come in from the east. Possible to get the grapes ripe in what would otherwise be cooler conditions, protecting the grapes from humidity, but allowing them some warm winds to come in as well. And Blaufrankisch can be made in youthful, fresh, fruity, drink now styles of wine, very approachable as a spiciness to Blaufrankisch. It's not dissimilar to Syrah, and it has a similar meaty pepperiness to it, but maybe just a bit fruitier than most Syrah, and a bit more red in its fruit profile as well. But then it can be made in much more serious, age-worthy styles as well. So in the Leitherberg Mountains, near the lake again, but in cooler sites, the soils are slate and limestone, and that produces elegant wines, but nearer the lake, the wines are richer and fuller because of the, the warmth that comes from the lake. In South Bergenland, or Südbergenland, which is south of Neusiedlersee, there are clay soils for spicier, fuller styles of wine. But on the um, higher slopes, which are cooler, then there's a longer ripening season, so the wines will be a bit more elegant and restrained. Also in Südbergenland, there is Eisenberg, where there are iron-rich soils. And then in another region nearby is Konuntum, which has slate soils. There's lots of different soil types, which Blaufrankisch adapts to and produces slightly different styles of wine. So lots of variety for Blaufrankisch, which one of the reasons it's so exciting, from that youthful, fresh style to more, more age-worthy styles. And those wines which are aged in oak, which hopefully we balanced and integrated. I prefer Blaufrankisch with less oak, but certainly a small amount can just um, balance the um, spicy nature of Blaufrankisch and add a bit of a tannic grip to the wines as well. And if the wines are aged in oak, they can be called Bergenland Reserve. The lighter unoaked wines can be called Mittelbergenland Classic. So just a, a labeling key to how the wines have been made. The other major grape variety in terms of quality is Saint Laurent. And there's just 600 hectares planted here. So the quality of the wines gives the impression that there's um, lots of it being made, but actually a very small amount. It's often linked to Pinot Noir because they have a similar profile and it can be quite easy to mistake Saint Laurent for Pinot Noir in a blind tasting because they have that similar aromatic lift, red fruits and a reddish color, but they are not actually related to each other despite their um, 
similar fruit and tannic and acid profile. The great variety Saint Laurent is perhaps named after Saint Laurentius, because his feast day is 10th of August, which is when the grapes are said to begin to ripen. But the obscurity of the name's origin gives an idea that this is a very historic grape variety. It's also a very difficult one, which is why plantings are not high, because it's susceptible to couleur, so difficult fruit set, botrytis, downy mildew, yields are erratic, and September rains can cause the grapes to split. Lots of difficult um, vineyard issues for St. Lorenz, which requires careful vineyard management uh, by the grower or the producer. But one of its advantages is that it can be grown on a wide range of sites, rather like Blau Frankish, whereas Pinot Noir is a bit more particular. And also it ripens earlier than Pinot Noir, which is a good thing for growers to get the grapes in. And as the September rains can be difficult with botrytis and split grapes, an earlier ripening is certainly advantageous. And we can find saint Laurent in Neuseedlerse, but also Thurman region, slightly to the west, and also Weinviertel for the maybe slightly more introductory styles of wine. Then there's Zweigelt, and there's 6,000 hectares of Zweigelt, and they, those plantings have increased greatly over the last 20 years. So a lot more than its parents, Blaufrankisch and saint Laurent, which was uh, the crossing made by Fritz Zweigelt in 1922. So it's just celebrated its 100th anniversary. There's an early budding, mid-ripening grape variety with high yields. So you can see why plantings have increased quite a lot, because having that um, not ripening too, light, too late and having the high yields is very advantageous for uh, growers. Zweigelt is an extremely drinkable, quaffable style of wine. It's got relatively high acid. The, the tannins are quite soft, but they give enough grip to the wine. And you have these kind of dark fruit chocolate aromas, which just make it extremely drinkable. And there's a spiciness to the wines as well. Not quite as peppery as Blaufrankisch, and certainly not as floral or aromatic as Saint Laurent, but having some of the character of both of those grapes. So one of the few human crossings of uh, grape varieties to produce a new one, which has actually worked. And I think Zweigelt can produce some very good um, introductory wines at relatively um, affordable prices. But there are also more serious wines produced as well when yields are kept down. So rather like Gruner Veltliner, you know, if you're lowering those yields to produce a more serious style, careful handling in the vineyard, careful winemaking, Zweigelt can be a bit more age-worthy. However, I would, I would say not as much as Blaufrankisch or Saint Laurent. And Zweigelt is best enjoyed, I would say, three, maybe five years after the vintage at the most. But it's more of that youthful style. And it is a lot of fun to enjoy, particularly with a spicy or barbecue food. Also remembering that food in Austria is generally quite rich, and these wines, whether white or red, do go with the rich food of Austria. Pinot Noir is planted in Austria, about the same amount as Saint Laurent, and again, very good quality wines. It's called Blauburgunder, pretty classic Pinot Noir, and again, in a blind tasting, it'd be quite difficult to distinguish from Saint Laurent. Pretty similar style, but it's ripening later, so a little more difficult to work with in terms of picking, even if it doesn't have quite the same number of issues in the vineyard as Saint Laurent does. There's also Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, a bit more planted than I had realised, 600 and 800 hectares respectively. I have to confess I have never encountered those great varieties in Austrian wine, but there's a small amount planted. And then an even smaller amount is Blauer Portuguesa, 500 hectares planted. Um, it is probably an Austrian grape variety, it has absolutely nothing to do with Portugal despite its name. 
It has consistent yields, which is advantageous for growers, though it does have a frost risk and a botrytis risk as well. There is another grape variety which you may, might find on a label, Blauberger, which is not to be confused with Blauburgunder, which is Pinot Noir. Uh, Blauberger is a crossing of Blauer Portuguesa and Blau Frankish. Producers like it because it has a deep colour, which um, consumers also like, but the aromas are quite neutral, so not that interesting. So that's just an overview of some of the Austrian grape varieties. Gruner, Veltliner, the most important by far in terms of all wine, as well as white wine. Then Blaufrankisch and Sankt Laurent for quality red wine. Zweigelt for quantity. And then some of these other grape varieties planted smaller amounts, which can be used for blending or to produce historic styles. And then also international grape varieties as well, which helps Austria fit into international trends and um, fashions. As I said, quality is consistently very high. You should not be disappointed by a bottle of Austrian wine. But whether the grape varieties are international or whether they are native to Austria, there's always that distinctive, not just quality, but richness and power, but freshness and acidity to the wines, which I find the perfect combination in the styles of wine I like to drink. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.